Hey, everybody, I'm Keegan-Michael Key, and this is Historically Black, a production of APM Reports and The Washington Post. So here's what's up. On September 24th, the Smithsonian Institution will officially open a museum that folks have been working on for years to create, the new National Museum of African American History and Culture on the Mall in Washington, D.C. Now, as part of the reporting on the opening of the museum, the Washington Post invited people across the country to submit photos of their own historical objects, the things that tell their own story of black history the lesser-known moments in history and personal moments that reflect the larger story of being black in America. It's sort of like a pop-up digital museum of the people. Historically Black got a ton of responses. And each week, this podcast will feature one object and the story behind it. The object that I submitted is a picture of my grandmother walking down the street in Hampton, Virginia, on her way to Langley Airfield, where she worked as a human computer in 1943. That is Duchess Harris, chair of the American Studies Department at McAllister College in Minnesota. Her grandmother was Miriam Daniel Mann. The black and white photo Duchess gave us shows a smartly dressed woman who is striding confidently along a downtown street. Now, she's got a top coat on and a big black handbag and a thick really thick, hardcover book under her arm. My mom gave me the picture, so maybe she can tell us about um, the outfit and what it was like growing up with her mother working at NASA. The ladies dressed up for the times. Nobody wore slacks. And they wore these Oxford-looking shoes that had about a two-inch heel on them. And... The picture that you have, it's like got a turban in it. That was quite fashionable instead of a hat. Under that fashionable turban was a mind that could do math. And I mean really do math. Real math. Like beyond algebra, calculus, logarithms, that kind of math. Miriam Mann was one of a handful of black women who were recruited by the government to work on top secret aircraft designs during World War II. Their calculations would help win the war, and later, they would help America reach the moon. This is the story of the human computers. A human computer was a person that computed the math for the engineers, and they had a number two yellow pencil and a slide rule. That was it. That's Miriam Harris. She and Duchess are going to tell us the story of our main character, Miriam Mann. She, the second Miriam, the grandma, was recruited to make mathematical calculations for scientists and engineers at Langley Airfield in Hampton, Virginia. America had just joined the fight against Japan and Germany. Now, because so many men and women served in the military or worked in defense factories, there was an acute labor shortage across the country. Now, at the Langley Airfield in coastal Virginia, people were working 24-7 on top-secret warplane projects. Computing numbers? That was considered drudgery. It's women's work. Racial discrimination meant the computing jobs were just for white women. Until the war. Well, they were recruit for educated, colored ladies to come and do this computer work. And she heard about it because we lived on a college campus where my daddy was a professor. The campus she just spoke of was Hampton University. 
one of the nation's oldest historically black colleges. Now, Langley Field, it was just across town. Until World War II, Marion's mother was a stay-at-home mom. But the computing job really intrigued her. It involved making a lot of complex mathematical calculations. And she was a college graduate with a degree in chemistry and math. Which, by the way, was really unusual for a black woman of the time. I think my grandmother's story is rare. Duchess Harris has written a new book for young people called Hidden Human Computers. It's about her grandmother and the handful of other black women recruited by Langley. And so when I was doing my research, I found um, an article from a Negro newspaper, and it was from May of 1943. And there are only 11 of them that are in this entering class. And so... You know, this was a great opportunity for a very, very small percentage of black people. For most African-American women with Miriam Mann's level of math and science ability, about the only job around was teaching in a segregated school. So here was an incredibly rare chance to be a professional mathematician. But Virginia, in 1943, was a deeply segregated state. Colored bathrooms, colored drinking fountains. They took them out to Langley Field and they didn't have any office space for them. They didn't know what to do with all these colored folks. And, yes, separate working quarters at the airbase. So they set them up in what's similar to a warehouse. It's what they call the wind tunnels where they tested the planes and things like that. So what was that like for Big Mama? Now, hold on, just so you understand, Big Mama was the family nickname for Duchess's grandmother. But mind you, Big Mama stood a trim four foot 11 inches high. Big Mama's name, um, well, it signified force of character, not size. All right, back to the story. Well, they went to the cafeteria, and over in the corner, they had this big round table with a sign on it that says, Colored Computers. And my mother proceeded to take the sign off the table and bring it home. Really? And my daddy would tell her, you're going to get fired. She said, well, I'm going down fighting. Did she ever get caught? They never knew who did it, but they finally stopped putting it. So then they put a sign on the bathroom, said colored girls. So Mama took that down until they put a permanent one up. And she couldn't bring that one home. The research work at Langley Field could not have been more critical. The U.S. air fleet was way behind the more powerful German Luftwaffe and the Imperial Japanese Air Forces. The National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, which was the agency that ran this laboratory in Hampton, Virginia, their charge was essentially to make airplanes better, faster, uh, more technologically sophisticated. Author Margot Lee Shetterly has written a new book about the human computers titled Hidden Figures. During the war, as it became clear that airplanes were going to be a decisive force, the laboratory there in Hampton, Virginia, was running around the clock like many of the war industries. Langley engineers put airplane models, and even full-sized aircraft, into wind tunnels at the airbase. They made all kinds of measurements. Then, the human computers took those measurements and made critical and complicated calculations. They did calculus, complex differential equations, uh, analytic geometry, and, and lots and lots and lots of trigonometry. They produced pages and pages and pages of numbers. One of the most impressive things 
is seeing the the booklets that the women put together um, of their calculations. Mary Hurst is a retired Langley historian. Those women took those readings, and then they had a lot of formulas that they would run through, and they would produce a book that could be 100 pages of nothing but numbers. And those numbers were taken to, like, seven to ten decimal places. Now, Miriam Harris says Big Mama liked the computing she did at the airfield. But sometimes she'd get bored if a project went on too long. She would come home and at the dinner table, and I didn't have a clue as to what she was talking about. And sometimes she'd say things like, if I see another logarithm, I'll scream. Now, I'm going to tell you, I can't even remember what a logarithm... In fact, I don't know what a logarithm is. I know the word, and I say it to make myself sound smart sometimes. But those logarithms and the countless other calculations the women made helped the Allies win World War II. By the early 60s, Big Mama Miriam Mann and the other black women at NASA were working side by side in the same office with their white colleagues. Racial boundaries were changing, but slowly. And the funny thing about it was when they did that, they took the sign off of the colored girl's bathroom and just put ladies. Well, of course, none of the white people wanted to go in that bathroom behind those colored girls. And the colored women wouldn't go in it because they were going to go in there with white women. So my mother took it over as her personal bathroom. And she used it like that until she retired. And she had her coffee pot in there. And every morning she put her water in her coffee pot and take it to her desk. And at lunchtime she would go and wash it. So it would be ready for her afternoon pot of coffee. And she kept her makeup and her comb in there. That was her personal. The other people didn't want to use it, so it was hers. That is awesome. In the 1950s and 60s, the human computers at Langley Research Center helped the U.S. win another deadly serious contest. During the Cold War with the Soviet Union, America was once again behind. This time, it was the space race a race to reach and control what might become a nuclear battleground beyond Earth's atmosphere. The Soviets launched the first satellite. And then they went ahead and did this. This is cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, broadcasting to Earth from his space capsule. It was 1961. The Soviets had put a man in space first, and the U.S. was crazy, frantic to catch up. It was the Langley Research Center's job to help. Langley was now part of the newly formed National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or as we all like to call it, NASA. Good morning, this is Reed Collins at Cape Canaveral with aerospace correspondent Martin Caden. One of the most important jobs the human computers did at NASA Langley was calculate the trajectory of America's manned space flights. We're looking at nine stories of Atlas rocket gloaming in the dawn. Atop the rocket is the man of the hour, Colonel John Glenn. It was February 1962. Astronaut John Glenn's mission was to become the first American to orbit the Earth. Two, one... Zero, ignition, liftoff. There she goes. There is fire from that bird all the way. She's climbing straight. She's going good. Now, one of the human computers assigned to this mission was a woman by the name of Katherine Johnson, a brilliant African-American mathematician from West Virginia. Months earlier, 
Johnson had calculated the flight trajectory for astronaut Alan Shepard, the first American ever in space. Author Margot Lee Shetterly says John Glenn's flight was far, far more complicated. It was also the first to rely on calculations from an electronic computer. And Katherine Johnson hand-verified the machine's math. So her job was to help do the math to make sure this capsule got into its correct orbit, went around the, the Earth the prescribed number of times, and then came back down safely right where the naval ships were waiting um, in the Atlantic Ocean, close to the United States, so the, the astronaut could splash down and get plucked out of the water and carried to safety. Estimating 05G at 0444. There was much anxiety at NASA about John Glenn's flight, especially the re-entry of his Friendship 7 capsule into Earth's atmosphere. The math had to be just right for Glenn to get home alive. One miscalculation and Glenn's capsule could burn up as it slammed into Earth's atmosphere. Uh, Friendship 7, this is Cape, over. As the red-hot capsule hurtled to Earth, there was an agonizing four and a half minutes when Glenn's radio went silent. NASA flight controllers and the nation waited. Keep talking now. Uh, Friendship 7, this is Cape, over. Finally, Glenn radios in. A real fireball, as John Glenn said. But the math done at Langley was correct. He got home safely. And later, he visited the human computers to thank them. Miriam Harris says Big Mama was part of all that. But the work was so secret that Big Mama didn't even know exactly what her computations were being used for. They had no idea whether it was for an airplane or spaceship or what. But after it was all over... They had, like, I guess you'd call it like a big reception. And John Glenn came and spoke to them, thanked them and shook hands and gave everybody autographed pictures. And I think that was kind of the first time a lot of them even knew what they were working on. Okay, so do you remember at all if Big Mama was excited or not? Oh, yeah, she came home. That picture sits still around here in one of those scrapbooks. Hello, everybody, please. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody, please have a seat. In 2015, President Barack Obama awarded Miriam Mann's colleague, Katherine Johnson, the Presidential Medal of Freedom at a White House ceremony. She was even asked to double-check the computer's math on John Glenn's orbit around the Earth. So if you think your job is pressure-packed, hers meant that forgetting to carry... The one might send somebody floating off into the solar system. In the coming months, more Americans will learn about the human computers at NASA than ever before. And I'll tell you what, about time. In addition to the new books by Duchess Harris and Margot Lee Shetterly, a Hollywood movie about the human computers based on Shetterly's book premieres in January. I wish I had gotten the call. Shetterly says that all these years after World War II and after the race to the moon, there are still too few people of color and women in fields like engineering and math. But she hopes young people will be encouraged to stay in a challenging math or physics class when they learn about the legacy of the human computers at Langley Research Center. You know, every time you sit in an airplane, 
um, and, and, you know, take off from the airport, uh, some aspect of the plane that you're flying in can trace its, you know, success back to the work that the people did at the Langley Aeronautical Memorial Laboratory. Okay, all flight controllers, go, no, go for landing. Retro, go, Fido. go, guide, go, control, go, telecom, go, GNC, go. Ooh, let me tell you one last quick story about Big Mama Miriam Mann and the human computers. It was 1969, the Apollo 11 mission, and astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were guiding the lunar landing module Eagle to the surface of the moon. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Big Mama had died two years earlier. She was 60 years old. She never got a medal for her work, but Duchess Harris says when Armstrong stepped on the lunar surface, he was standing in the footsteps of her grandmother and all of the other human computers at NASA. Oh, I mean, most assuredly. I mean, because the history tells us that the people that were getting that work done were the black and white women. Duchess was a baby sitting on her daddy's lap, and he said, she's going to watch this man walk on the moon. She won't remember it, but she's looking at it. And she was just a few months old. But all of the contributions that these women made and the calculations and things led up to all of that. Without them, they wouldn't have gone anyplace. That's it for this week, people. You've been listening to Historically Black, a podcast collaboration of APM Reports and The Washington Post. It was produced by Kate Ellis and Stephen Smith and edited by Mary Beth Kirshner. We had production help from Kai Thomas. The Post staff includes Julia Carpenter, Veronica Tony, Jessica Stahl, and Tanya Sichinski. Our theme music is by X144. Hey now, to see more stories, and even contribute your own to this digital pop-up museum of objects from African-American history, visit the Historically Black Tumblr at historicallyblack.tumblr.com and upload a photo of your object and details about what it means to you. It's easy to do. Just visit historicallyblack.tumblr.com. We'll be back next week. I'm Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key.